He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. I'm so glad this morning to have with me a great woman of God, seizing well experienced and anointed as Episcopal sister in the person of Lady Reverend Mrs. Edward Mills to share with us insight on the topic making your marriage work. It is my prayer that you will be blessed. There will be a restoration. You will win the battle in the name of Jesus. Please help me. Please help me. Welcome, Lady Reverend. Hallelujah. Amen. Woman of God, you are welcome. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Amen. He's Lord over the earth and he's Lord over this meeting. Amen. Shall we Jesus. Pray? Father, thank you. Your word says, and Yes, you Jesus. Shall the gathering of the people be? Yes, Lord. We've gathered to no man, hmm. but we've come to your throne of grace. Jesus. Help us. To help find us, grace Lord. Yes. and mercy mm. and grace to help in our time of need. Mm. Lord, you know the various lives represented Jesus. here. I pray that none of us will leave here the same. In the name of Jesus. But each one of us will leave here a transformed woman. Yes, Lord. An encouraged woman. Mm. A healed woman. Jesus. A wholesome woman. Jesus. And a spiritual woman. Yes, Lord. Ready to take on the world. Yes, Jesus. Thank you that greater is he that is in us. Amen. He that is in the world. Amen. I yield this vessel to you, Lord. Jesus. Let the vessel speak your heart. Yes. Let the vessel Lord. of clay be sanctified. Yes. Let Lord. it address from the throne room of grace yes, and from heaven. Jesus. Grant me the anointing. Grant me the unction Amen. to do your will and your Amen. will alone. Amen. Thank you for the Holy Thank Spirit, you. our teacher, our guide. Yes, Lord. Thank you, because by the anointing, every yoke is broken. Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much, Mama Dora, for having me here. And... Thank you all, and especially the executive of Chosen Women, for not giving up and still persisting 
over the years because so many things come that make us want to give up sometimes, even in ministry. But thank God for the grace and the heart to keep pressing on and to have the vision to just help women in ministry and pastors' wives. I think it's an awesome vision because most pastors' wives are very lonely. Am I right? Most pastors' wives don't have anybody to share anything with. And even if they did, they are likely to be misunderstood. So thank you so much for this vision. And may the Lord strengthen your hands. And thank you too for being here because if this meeting had been put together and you hadn't honored us with your presence, it wouldn't be the same. So we salute every one of you. You are precious to God and you are precious to us too. I also want to salute the man of the house, Bishop Takia Boy, for allowing us. Amen. Because it's not always easy and it's not always you are allowed. So we, we salute him for allowing us to fulfill what is on our hearts. So God bless us all. Amen. Well, today I'm told that the topic is making your marriage work. And when Mama Dora first told me, I'm like, hey, it's a very audacious title. Because it also looks like it depends on only you to make it work. But usually, we know that it takes two to tango. And we know that it takes two to be in a marriage. And even from the verse Mama Dora read from Ecclesiastes, it's actually a threefold cord that is not easily broken. So, some of us and most of us will be saying, how can I make it work when I'm alone? I'm Lady Reverend, it takes two to tango. I may do my part, but the other person may not be doing his part. And because of that, um, it may not be working. So I think that in looking at Romans 12, 18, the Bible says, I'm reading the English Standard Version, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So the catch here is, we are going to do what we can do. Amen. And we're going to do what lies within our power. That's what King James says. And this one says, so long as it depends on you. So there are certain things that depend on you and I. Amen? Amen. That God can reveal to us to make our marriage work. And when we have done our part, then the rest is in God's hands. And, I mean, even this last week, or a lady was saying that, she was also a pastor's wife. She was so, so, so faithful to her husband. So faithful. And she said that I served him with all that I had. And in the bedroom, I did all that he wanted. And I know that I gave all. But in spite of that, he didn't do his part. And the marriage broke. Now, 
the one who judges us is God. So he's the one that we will stand before and give an account of how we lived our lives here on earth. And sometimes we forget and we feel that the judge is the church members, the judge is the other pastors, the judge is even our own husband, but the ultimate judge is God. And he's also the ultimate rewarder. So it is imperative that we keep our eyes on him and not on any human being, including ourselves. Because sometimes when we keep the eyes on ourselves, we do things that humanly we think is right. Or, but if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So we are going to come from the perspective of Romans 12:18, as much as lies within your power, live peaceably with all men. So as much as lies within your power, how to make your marriage work. Amen. Sometimes, like this lady was saying, we do all we can and still things don't work. Like when Madra was saying, it's a fight. But even then, like I said, God is a rewarder. And he is also a restorer. How he will restore, I don't know. But he has promised to restore without showing us the process. And therefore, we still hold on to his promises. Amen, somebody. I want to say, first of all, that in making our marriages work, we are not alone. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. Amen. So you are not going to make your marriage work on your own. Everything that you are doing, once it's commissioned by God, he is a laborer together with you. And if God is your business partner, if God is your investment partner, if God is on your side, then he's the majority shareholder. And because of that, it's going to work because we are not on our own. Amen. So we are laborers together with God. Now, sometimes in getting married, I, I went to a place. I took a flight to a place. And when it was time to board, not long ago, a lady walked across to me and said, Oh, mommy, I want to hold your bag. And I said, Oh, my bag, my bag is the handbag, there's no weight, there's nothing. And I even told her that my husband says a lady's bag is supposed to match her dressing, so when you take it, then you have disheveled her dressing. And then she said, oh, I just wanted to do something for you because you don't know me and I don't know you, but I got married to a pastor. And a year after, I felt so disappointed. Everything I had hoped for, everything I had looked forward to, it wasn't like that. And so after a year, I was contemplating leaving. And then one Saturday, I was doing my chores and the radio was on, honey on my lips, sweet melodies. And you were teaching on the subject of marriage. And you came to a place and you said, don't just walk away, it's not over, God is with you. And mommy, I had even packed one bag. Well, this is not the first time I've heard this testimony. And I brought it back inside. Today, I have three lovely children. She took her phone. 
I want you to see them, very beautiful children. And she said it wouldn't have happened if I had not received counsel, you know. So we went on to be on the plane. She wanted to take my suitcase. She gave me her card if I need help for anything. But honestly, what we carry around is just God's word. Without God's word, we will not be wise. I was telling my husband, I wonder why when people preach, they say, I check the word. But which word? It's God's word. What did you check? If it were not for his word, what would you have to say? But his word is light and it helps us. Another time I went to a funeral and a lady I don't know came and said, um, tell her, tell her, poking the husband somewhere in Latapiokoshi. And then I said, tell me what? I said, Lady Reverend, he owes you an offering because if it were not for you, I would have left Saturday morning. My bags in Yinama, parking. So this man owes you an offering. He was a pastor. And the man said, Lady Reverend, it's true. I owe you, Pa. Would you remember? The rest is history. I've not seen him, but it doesn't matter. So I'm trying to say that God's word really brings light. And the Bible says, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. So I think that a lot of things we do is out of frustration, pain, emotional distress, and out of lack of knowledge. So I pray that this morning, God will bring us light. Amen. I want to say that marriage is God's idea. It's not any man's idea. So marriage is not fancy marriage or girl marriage where the woman used to live here, the man lives here in the evening, she crosses with her basket and she would have put on her white powder. Marriage is not ever marriage. It's not European marriage where they say that no fault, divorce, you do what you like. It's not American marriage, which is a drive-through marriage, uh, divorce. Now you just drive through. You know, you don't have to go through all the processes. And even they have big uh, billboards in some states in the, some states in the United States. And they say, diamonds are forever, but marriage is not forever. 1-800-DIVORCE. Call this number. But all that is not man's, it's man's idea, but it's not God's idea. God is the progenitor and the creator of marriage. Amen? So it's God who created marriage. Therefore, we need his manual to be able to operate this thing called marriage. It is God's manual, not my manual, not your manual, not what your mother said, not African proverbs. That is an African proverb. It is God's word that is never broken. Man's word can be broken. So it's not all our proverbs that are in sync with God's word, although some of them are. For instance, if you say, I don't know. My fancy is easier for me. You can see the scripture in the Bible which says, Cares the sea who puts his trust in man. You know? But that is every man. You know, it's not singling out Bema, Na, Oba. All flesh can disappoint. Amen. And so marriage is 
God's idea. Therefore, if he is the manufacturer, then we have to go back to him and look at his manual, which is the Bible, and not think like the world, that the things that God has put in the Bible are impossible, that they are cheating us, that when God says submit, he actually wants you to be a doormat, that God has really taken away the rights of women, that is now the time for the Me Too generation, the Me Too movement. I'm not saying that they may not have valid claims, but I'm saying that the world is now renewing our minds. Whereas Romans says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to renew our minds according to scripture, not according to our experiences even, not according to statistics, not according to what happened to our mother and our father, but according to the word which says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, it will never, ever pass away. So we have to come to the place where we doubt our doubts and rather have faith in God. What does Psalm 127 one says? Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain, that build it. Except the Lord, except the Lord, amen. It includes your marriage. And this time he's saying even build the house or build the home. So God is the builder. Amen. And if he's the builder, then we have to use his materials. You can't use human materials. God's materials. And what are some of his materials? Submission. Forgiveness. Humility. Long suffering. Because he defines love. That is material. That material for worldly love is different from the material for agape, unconditional love. How can I love somebody unconditionally? How can I give somebody food who has been so rude to me the whole day? How can I be nice to somebody who has been some way and does not deserve my love? It takes God's materials to build a house. Amen. And so we are going to use God's materials and not our own materials to build. You know, and for instance, when it comes to submission, people take it out of context. But actually, Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Before it comes to say in 22, wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. But we like to take scripture out of context. But at the same time, marriage is not table tennis. That when you play, the person also plays. So if he doesn't play, then you also not play. No. It says, wives, submit yourselves as unto the Lord. So in everything, Jesus should be our perspective. And what does Hebrews 12 say? Looking unto Jesus. Because when you share Jesus, I tell you, you will resign. Amen, ladies. If you are looking at the person, so he doesn't deserve this. Oh, today I don't feel happy. Oh, today people must earn their wages. So since they have not behaved well, in the bedroom they have no wages. Amen. But the focus is Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen, ladies. And I think that when we have that perspective, 
is going to help us. Now, in looking at Jesus, the Bible gives a parable. Or Jesus gives a parable. He says that a wise man, a, a foolish man built on sand, and the wise man built on a rock. And Matthew 7, verse 25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. That house represents your home. That house represents your life. That house represents your marriage. And Jesus didn't say the person was building, let's say, a company or a boat. Or he was building a house. Anybody who seeks to build a house will have rain, will have flood, will have vehement winds. And it doesn't just fall. It beats against the house. So like Mama Dora was saying, our marriages are under siege. And our marriages are under floods. And our marriages are under strong winds. And our marriages are under rains that are not subsiding. Amen? Amen. How is a marriage like that going to survive? The, the house that was built on sand had the same experiences. So there's no difference. It's not that because you are a Christian, uh, you will not have rain. Because you are a Christian, there will be no flood. Because you are a Christian, the wind will not beat vehemently against the house. Because you are a Christian, what does the Bible say? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen, ladies? It's not a nice verse to know, but it's the truth. Many, not few, are the afflictions not of the wicked, but of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Out of them all. Amen. So then it behoves us to build our house on the right foundations. And building the house on the right foundation has become a problem. Amen. Now what does the Bible say in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I believe, verse 28? I love God because... He doesn't lie to us and he doesn't say oh um because you are a christian you know like how when your husband was rapping you he told you a lot of things and now you can't believe it so he made all these promises and i, I was taking over and now what has become of me you know but as for god god never changes god always speaks the truth and he tells us about marriage First Corinthians 7 verse 28. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, that's engaged, she has not sinned. Yet those who will marry will have worldly troubles. English Standard Version. And I will spare you that. They would have what? Worldly troubles. Is it those who marry well? Is it those who don't marry well? Is it those who marry? Somebody said, I married with the veil on my eyes. Is that? He said, those that will marry shall have trouble. Trouble, worldly troubles. And even the Message Bible puts it in a very modern <laughs> rendition. It says that, but there's certainly no sin in getting married. 
whether you are a virgin or not, all I'm saying is that when you marry, you take on additional stress in an already stressful time. And I want to spare you that if possible. You take on additional stress in an already stressful time. So that if possible, I want to spare you that. Amen, ladies. And for those who may be listening to us who are not married, this is a prophecy. Additional stress in an already stressful time. Amen. And I love the Bible because it's the truth. And the Bible says the truth will set us free. Amen. So if we want our marriages to work, one, we have to know that marriage is God's idea. Two, we have to know that we have to build, God has to build the house and that God is laborious with us. Three, we have to know that we have to build that house on a rock. And Jesus explains that that rock is the people who build on my word, who build on me. Amen. Lady Prevent, how do we practically build on the Lord? I would say that in my personal experience, one of the things I think helps me in my Christian life is a daily quiet time, which doesn't look very powerful when you share it. Oh, quiet time, Mkwa. See, something spectacular. But what the quiet time has done for me is it has given me an investment of God's word. So that when the floods come, the Holy Spirit pulls out of that savings, that investment, the interest that has been gained on it. And the Holy Spirit tells me, you know, one day I was going through a rough time and the Holy Spirit said to me years ago, love suffers long and is kind. I said, what? Love suffers? I've never seen that in a book or a movie. It suffers. I never knew. And when I was marrying, I didn't know that love suffers. I thought that love just sleeps and romanticizes, but to suffer. Then I started to meditate on it. Love suffers. And they say, it suffers long. I say, I hear cow. Long. But many of us, our fuses are very short. Short fuse. Amen. My definition of love is immediately renewed. Love suffers long. And in the suffering long, it is kind. A bad day. Even if it suffers long, okay, fine. I'll be nursing my pain. But to be kind in it. Amen. But God, whatever he gives you to do, he will give you also the Holy Spirit. Because he said, you need a helper. You need a comforter. You need a guide in a dark world. So I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. So that is how to build on his word to meditate on his word to believe that his word will work for you some of us say where the one day i had a very big conference for women in ministry and women design ministry and then i think women yeah more women pastors wives of the women design ministry and oh the place was jam-packed and then when we had the question and answer time. Some of the ladies were talking from the back. And some of them were 
I could see that they had had enough, you know. So they were shouting from the back, Koshen Wofie, Jimiao Jimmy. I couldn't believe it, the language. But it was because of the bitterness. The bitterness. But I believe that after the conference, there was a lot of healing. And I believe that today, God is sending forth his word to heal us and to deliver us from all our destruction. Amen. So we know that only God can make our marriages work and that we have to build our lives on him. What I find is absent in a lot of Christian marriages and homes is the fear of God. So we need the fear of God to make our marriages work. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We don't fear God. So we do what we feel like doing. And then we say, but even I'm not the preacher. And I'm not even the one called. And Lady Reverend, look at how a so-called preacher behaves. What do you expect me to do? But God looks at you as an individual. And the Bible says, and they, comparing themselves with themselves, are not wise. Amen. So if you fear God, you don't just get up and take a decision because what bread? You don't take a decision because a heading. You don't take a decision because the storm is raging and you can't see a way out. Because that same God said, I will give you beauty for ashes. It means that he knows that we will come to a place of ashes in our lives sometimes. And ashes cannot build anything. Clay can build something. Metal can build something. But ashes, it doesn't hold. And he's saying that I, God, not you, not your pastor, not your church, I, Jehovah, I will give you beauty for ashes. But he can only give it to you if you do the exchange. But some of us, we hold our ashes and we cry every night. Oh, Joe, Joe has destroyed my life. No one can destroy your life. For Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. He gave you that promise before you got married. And that promise still holds true today that you have married. What he has said, that he will bring you to the expected end. He is the architect of it. And he is the God who works in impossible situations. And he is the one we must be looking at. Because of the fear of the Lord. You know like Jobicham said, but some of you wokaya now will continue. Wokaya now yeah worse. Wokaya then you manifest. Wokaya then you become yourself. Yes, for Bible don't change. Because there's no fear, beloved. I do not obey God because I'm superhuman but I obey him because I personally feel that I am one of the weakest human beings on this planet and I believe the verse that says that without him 
I can do nothing. Yes, I can do a few. I can nothing. Nothing. And so, as Mamadora says, she's 35 years and I'm 32 and counting. It's not by my talk. It's by the light of his word. When it's dark, he shines it. And you know, personally, the Holy Ghost is very real to me because sometimes when I don't even know what to do, I just hear a voice. It's very distinct. It's not audible, but it's very distinct and it's very calm. And it's very to the point. It's not like a debate or maybe you are debating, should I? It just comes and it explains things to me. Oh, the reason why this is this. And so it makes me very cool. So, oh, observe this. You will see that it's not a personal thing against you. Observe this. And then I observe it. And I put it in my bank. Then when I come and speak, she says, she is very powerful. It's suffering. It's suffering. And the grace of his word and light, that brings us to that place. Amen, ladies. There is nobody devoid of troubles in this world. Amen. Additional stress. You are stressed at work. You are stressed with parenting. You are stressed with your health. You are stressed with career. You are stressed with finances. Then you are going to add additional stress of marriage. It's even a high level stressor. But that's what the Bible says. But the fear of God will let you know that even how I speak, even when I'm angry, it's because I fear God. So when you are angry, don't speak. Don't speak in that forum. And what I have learned is not to even speak when I'm being spoken to and I see that the, the temperature is high. I have learned that I don't have to explain in the same forum. The Holy Spirit said to me, when the person is speaking, you're also speaking, you know, you are not in a law court. It's a law court that when the person speaks, you are writing your points. And then when he gets out, you get an objection, my Lord, because you have to think on your feet quickly. You are not in a law court to object anything. So just listen. What does the Bible say? Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. And slow to anger. But we are, we are slow to hear. And we are quick to speak. And then we say, me, I, I don't, I, 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 I didn't hit him. I, I didn't whatever. I only said, but your only said is more than a nuclear bomb. Amen, ladies. But Ephesians 4 will tell you, let your words be seasoned with grace to them. Grace doesn't mean you are saying, oh, it's not that. Oh, it's not. Grace doesn't mean you are not facing the facts. But grace means you are still speaking with respect and grace. And you know that the way you are angry, you shouldn't speak now. Because it will destroy so many years of something. But he too, he is the pastor. He should even speak with grace. It's not table tennis. It's you and the Lord. Amen! So the fear of God well, let, what would Jesus do? Ask yourself in everything, what would Jesus do? So I've learned not to speak in the same forum. 
I just, I said, Lord, and I'll be praying in my head, Lord, make me a good listener. And also, let me take the gems of what the person is saying. You know, there may be other things that are not true, whatever, but what really is the import of what the person is saying? So after the person has spoken, then I say, oh, okay. I've not thought about it that way. I'll think about what, I'll meditate on what you have said. Then later in another forum, I come and I sit down quietly. Oh, last time, you know, when you were saying that this, 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 I agree. But actually, that's not the case. The, that person will now often be more prepared to listen to you because you are a listener and you seem to be doing. But where you are shooting, the person is shooting, it's creating World War III in your home and it's not bringing peace. The fear of God. Because you fear God and God says, don't go. You won't go. But what Christians also don't know, you see, sometimes people are pushed to the wall. They have multiple infidelities. As a pastor's wife, you can't share it. You can't go and tell the whole world, my husband did this, he did this. So I always tell my husband, have you seen wives talking about husbands? It's always the other way around. I mean, when a marriage doesn't work, have you seen a wife? Because the women will say, oh, yeah, me, my papa. So I don't have to, you know, talk that way. And she can also come and tell you 55 reasons or indiscretions or infidelities that happen. But the Bible says on the grounds of adultery, she can go. But she can't come and tell you all that. And then so the body of Christ will just judge her. Eh, you, you, and also you become defenseless. But it's God. Who fights for you? Amen. But as much as lies within our power, we will fight till Jesus comes. What does the Bible say? The kingdom of God suffered violence, not peace. Oh. And the violent take it by force. But you must be violent in the kingdom of God, but not violent in the market, in the home, with your husband. So fight the good fight of faith. Some fights are no good. So that's your type of fight. It's no good. But the fight of faith is a good fight. Amen. So the fear of God. Do we fear God at all in this generation? Do we even wonder what his mind is? Are we willing to please him to say, Father, I want to go like Jesus. I'm suffering. If it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my feelings, not what I think, not what I want, but yours be done. The cross is painful. Even I'm sweating blood. You've even sent an angel. But I know that in obeying you, there's great blessing. Give me grace to survive and to prevail. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Amen? And knowledge doesn't just come. Knowledge is something you seek. If you don't seek knowledge to know God, to know his mind, to know his perspective... What are you building your house on? If you build your house on the latest lace, uh, uh, human hair, latest fashion, yeah. look, the, when the floods come, they, they take away this fashion and all these things you are concentrating on. And who you are, and how you are first lady, and they called you lady and they forgot to add the first, and how you are angry, and how you are... Come on, you are a child of God. That's more important than first lady, Mrs. This and all that amen ladies and those things do not withstand the flood it is your walk with him the word of god the investment 
of his word that makes the house stand in the midst of the flood. Amen, ladies. We don't fear God anymore. Amen. We are busy doing Instagram. We are busy doing makeup for one hour. A girl was telling me, sorry, my eyebrows are crying, I drawing in one hour. I said, eh. And she was telling me proudly, I said, eh. It's what kind of Bible saying? Oh, mommy. You are drawing makeup. Young people. When the floods come, it's not how you, 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 you tilt your eyebrows. It's the foundation of his word. Get close to Jesus and fear him. Amen. Now, marriage is also giving more than receiving. <laughs> I have news for you. To make your marriage work, you must be more willing to give than to receive. Before you marry, when you come say, so what do you like about Pastor John? He's caring. He's kind. When I talk to him, he understands. He's generous. He's this. Then I ask Pastor John, what is it you like about your wife? She's very good at home. She's domesticated. She knows how to cook. When I listen to all that, has um, a selfish reason for getting married. Everybody's he will do this for me, he will do this for me, then the man too is she will do this for me. That is the reason for the marriage. But I think it's a wrong road. The Bible says in Acts 20 35, getting to the last part of the verse, says it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's not just money. In marriage, you give and give and give and give and give, and you get tired. And you come to the place that my storage is empty. Who's going to give to me as a pastor's wife? I give and give and give. Who's going to give me? Who's going to care for me? Who is going to look after me? Sometimes you feel so unlooked after. You're looking after church members. You're looking after your husband. You're looking after your children. And then you, your storage is empty. Who is going to look after you? Only God. Amen. And God is a good caretaker. But we marry thinking we are coming to receive something. It's an erroneous mind. You are rather coming to give. Open master. So get ready. Amen. And the Bible, see, in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The way up is down. That's why it says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We think that it's more blessed to receive. But receiving is nice. But the Bible says, and it is true, it is more blessed to give. You get more blessed when you give than when you receive. But it's not just money, it's everything. Amen? So if you have that, you see, we have to renew our minds. When we renew our minds, God will help us to think properly. And give us strength to cope. Amen. <laughs> there's also a cross. You must know that there's a cross in marriage. Galatians 2.22 I am crucified with Christ. Not by him. Not near him. Not parallel to him. But with him. The life that I now live. I live by the faith of the son of God. Who loved me. 
and gave his life for me. He says, take up your cross and follow me. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. There's no way you deny yourself more than in marriage. You deny yourself. The Bible says, your body is not your own. Therefore, do not defraud your partner. By you, do you feel that your body is your own? That is why when he stretches out to touch you, you hit his hand. Because you feel your body is your own. But if you knew that it was not your own, like this bag, and that is all part of the crucifixion. Lady Reverend, I'm asleep, I'm tired. Your body is not your own. Look, additional stress. Amen, ladies. So to, 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 to make our marriage work, we have to bring back the cross. The cross is in everything. The cross is even in parenting. The cross is in everything. And Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. It's not a nursery rhyme. It's a reality. So when he says, if any man will come after me, any, any, whether married, single, let him deny himself. So whenever yourself wants to manifest, the computer comes on, access denied to yourself. And our self is the place where we die because we are all self-centered, including our spouses. And you know from our answers, he's caring, he's financially stable. He's, we are looking for something. We are looking for security. We are looking. There's nothing wrong with it, but you will die to it because it's also self. Amen. So those of us who are not married, those listening on live stream, huh? There's a cross in the marriage. It's not only the jewelry on your neck; it's a cross. Okay. Amen, ladies. Our marriages can work if we accept certain things so the key of acceptance will help our marriages to work number one accept that no one person can meet all your needs accept that no one person can look at the woman at the well she has tried five different marriages she thought that oh this one doesn't give me pocket money so if i marry somebody who has money somebody said he gives me everything and he has made me part of the furniture i have a relative Whose husband, when you go and visit them and we are sitting in the garden, he will kill all the mosquitoes around her. And I said to her, Oh, your husband is very caring. You know. So, and then the one with Sika thinks that, Oh, I wish I had a husband who would kill mosquitoes around me. You know. So God has not made one person to meet all. We all have a lot of needs. And God doesn't make one person to meet all your needs. Esther chapter 4 verse 11. Esther said that nobody can go to the king except the person has been called in by the king. And me, these 30 days, the king has not called me. The king who chose you above all the women. The king who had a big wedding for you. It was a public holiday. The king who made a, a, a wedding from 127 provinces for you. For 30 days, you live in the same house with him. He has not seen you. Sometimes he sees you, but he has not spoken to you for 30 days or more. You know? And what does she do when something like that happens? So a person may love you, but he cannot meet all your needs. Only God can meet all our needs. 
The need for self-esteem. To know who you are. To know your value. Because in the marriage, you've been told that since they married you, the ministry has rather gone down. And everything is your fault. Since they married you, the church members don't flow. Since they married you, this, you have soaked it in. Uh, now, even your worth is measured by what the man tells you. But your worth should be measured by God and what he did on the cross for you. And that you were worth dying for. You were worth shedding blood for. And he says that in him, you are complete. The fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in our God and we are complete in him. We are not half. I once met a witness pastor and I said, hey, how is your better half? <laughs> With all due respect, ma, we are not half. We are whole, whole and we have come together. I said, good correction. Amen. But we often think we are half and the other person is coming to compliment us. But the Bible says you are complete in him. You are complete in him. Amen. If I was to wait for my husband to meet all my needs, beloved, I will not be standing here by now. Because when he goes on crusades, and let's say your child is sick, or you feel very lonely, you feel alone, or you feel that you've missed him, some of you, you will be sad until the three months crusade is over. Hey, sir, but before you met him, didn't you have a life? Ladies, you had a life. And the one who never leaves you nor forsakes you is God. Not any human being. Amen? So then, God gives you people, friends, groups like this, pastors, the church, family, to meet some of your needs. Amen? So when my husband travels, I also have my own schedule. Maybe I'll go for personal retreats, but most likely I'll call my friend who will go and watch a bow white. Uh, we'll go and eat somewhere. Oh, we can have girls, girls. I will go and visit my mother and we would just, like the Nigerians say, or I'll decide that, oh, now I'm going to my mother in Takradiba. Every time when I go, I do a uh, return flight. But when my husband is not there and you have an emptiness, your children have grown, oh, you have to stay with mama a little and then you are so happy. But if you are waiting for this one person, Hey, and know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Have a life. The virtuous woman, she has a life. She's going to the merchant ships. She's stretching out her hands to the needy. She's making herself clothes of tapestry. She's looking after her home. What time will she have? Now there may be a depression. Every day, say, these days, what has come is, I need therapy. Sir, he sent forth his word to heal you and to deliver you from all your distractions. Amen, ladies. Have a life. You don't know God for yourself. You cannot listen to messages for yourself. You can't get a revelation for yourself. Hey! Many, many pastors, or at least in my marriage, I share so much with my husband. So much. Because when the Lord tells us, hey, I was reading, but our relationship was like that already. 
So I said, I was reading this, and the Lord gave me a revelation. So it doesn't mean that this is... Then on Sunday, I'll see that he's preaching. Yes, so turn your Bibles. You see, the Lord, he did this, and I said, hey, me revelation, but I'm for me doing to also. You have a life in God yourself. And also being involved in God's work gives you a lot to do. And it's so fulfilling. It's so fulfilling. You see, over the years, sometimes people have left church. And when they are going, they say all sorts of things. And my husband was just preaching at a pastor's conference last week and he was saying that, he would say that about 98%, if he's not exaggerating, come back. But when they are going, they insult you publicly. But when they are coming back, it's very cool and quiet and under the radar, you know. So, recently one lady came and she said, Oh, mommy, my husband and I, we've already gone to see daddy, but you were not in. So now we've come. You know, we are so sorry and we are so happy to be back. <laughs> to be back in the family and all that. So I was listening to her. So when she finished, I said that, ah, but why do you say amazing things? We are Satanists, we are Antichrist, we don't believe in God anymore, we want to be worshipped. Why do you say all these things? Then after you have come quietly to say, um, we are sorry for what we said, we didn't really mean it. And then she was sitting there and she said, Mommy, do you know something? I said, no. So do you know I don't remember? Because I was asking her, what made you say all this? She said, do you know I don't remember? I said, hey, but if you don't remember, it means you can repeat it. And she said, no, mommy, it means that something came over me and over us. Because now I don't remember. It was like, as a bodambi, something just possesses you. And mommy, you just manifest. But after that, she kept writing to me every day. Mommy, is there anything you want me to do? Mommy, and then when she came, she knelt down and she said, Mommy, I brought this envelope. I said, Any envelope, I'm not angry, but any envelope, I'm okay, and I haven't seen you for years. We'll buy an envelope. Mommy said, Wanja. So, Wanja. So, anyway, I told her, put it on the table. And then after that, every day or every other day, she would text me, Mommy, is there anything you want? Is there anything you want done? Is there anything? Then I told her that you know something. By the grace of God, I have children on every continent. And everywhere I go, they want to spoil me. I mean, just recently, I just went to visit my son in the States. Coming through Washington. And I said to the pastor and his wife, Oh, I have a six-hour layover. So, come to the airport and chat with me, fellowship, and after that. But if you are working, it's okay. Oh, no, no, no. We'll come. And then later they were texting, can we bring this person and this person and this person, all pastors and their wives. Before I know, I didn't have a convention. Anyway, I chatted with them and I had to run to get my flight. And when I was coming back, it was a Sunday. So I said, oh, I know that you'll be in church. So I'll just hang out and then wait for my flight. Oh, no. By the time I got down, their wives have come with their children, their this. As we sat at the airport, this is just last week, they have brought food as a few and laid it out at the airport on the tables. I said, oh, nothing. Oh, mommy, what for hey, dear? 
Hey, Kelewila, Kelewila, Salada, Salada, different types of cheese. This, that. I said, Ajua, we in here. But the people passing, I think, the white people, they, they thought that we were a family who was doing a picnic at the airport waiting our flight. But it was not so. It was a whole table that had been spread, you know. But I'm saying that to say that we don't do ministry because of what we will get. But the rewards are amazing. When you serve God, he said, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. That work you are doing in the church is not for your husband. It's for God. And faithful is he who called you, who also will do it. God is saving you from the psychiatric hospital by giving you work in his kingdom. By giving you purpose and meaning. So rise up and serve him. Rise up and be productive. Rise up and be fruitful. Pour yourself into other people. And you will see God make a difference in your life. Amen. I said that woman's story, the one who came to kneel down, to say that there are many pains in ministry. There are many disappointments. But you don't have to dwell on that. God gives you others. Not everybody is a Ruth. Some are uppers. They'll come with you some of the way. Let them go. And let your Ruth bring you to your destiny. In Jesus' name. Amen, ladies. Have a life. Serve the Lord. Exodus chapter 23. And ye shall serve. And he shall bless. Ye shall serve, and he shall bless. All the people who are my daughters, the people I hang out with, it all came out of ministry. And it's a beautiful family. Now when I'm passing through any country, I don't even want them to know I'm there. Even if I didn't come for preaching. And some of you are listening to me, isn't it? <laughs> if I go to Geneva, I say, okay, I'm going to walk by the lake. Mommy will come with you. I'm, sometimes I cry. I say, I'm coming to Geneva. I'm passing through only for two days. I don't want anybody to know. Oh, yes. We'll keep the secret. Before I know, secrets, no? They keep to some extent, but, but why has all this come about? Is it because I'm Bishop Dad's wife? No. Most of them, most of the pastor's wives around were in my ministry before they went. And I knew them as I'm married. Before they married, they went on missions. I didn't even know how the missions would be. But God, through just serving him, has provided a big family for me. It can be the same for you. As you pour yourself into other people's lives and problems, you forget about yours. And you are seeking the kingdom and God adds unto you. Amen. So ladies, no one person is created by God to meet all your needs. There's nobody like that. Otherwise, a person would have replaced God. And God will not share his glory with anybody. Amen. So, accept that. No one person. It will also put less pressure on your husband. Chat with me. You want the man to be like a woman. You want him to feel like a woman. You want him to empathize like a woman. He's different too. He's made different by God. But your girlfriend, when you say, and you may call her, and you're oh yes, sir. Immediately she's on the same wavelength with you. 
God sends other people to meet your needs. Amen. Accept the humanness and frailties of your spouse and of yourself. Accept the humanness and frailties of yours. And I'm ending soon. Hebrews chapter 1. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in things relating to God to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He, that is a high priest, is able to exercise gentleness and forbearance toward the ignorant and erring, since he himself also is liable to moral weakness and physical infirmity. Amen? Lady Reverend, what are you saying? The Bible says, King James says, every high priest. So, our husbands are high priests, chosen by God to serve the high priest was even chosen succinctly to go into the Holy of Holies. But the Bible says every high priest is chosen from among men, not from among angels. Amen? So your husband is human. He is a good man of God, but he's not a perfect man of God. Amen? And some of you who want to marry pastors, you feel that a pastor does not make a mistake. A pastor is not human. Because you are comparing his giftings to his humanness. And the giftings that are anointed overshadows his humanness. So you are likely to be disappointed because you, you are marrying the gifts. But you are not marrying the human being with the gifts. Amen. But the Bible says every high priest taken from among men. God does not take his priest from among angels. He does not take his priest from heaven. He takes them from among men. Amen? Take him from among men so that he may minister to men. And then the second verse says that he himself is compassionate. That is King James. Because he knows that he himself is encompassed about with infirmities. So the high priest also has infirmities. The high priest has limitations. The high priest has things about him that may not be so attractive. Amen. So you don't have to be so shocked that I thought that he was next to Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you accept his humanness, not in a condescending way, it makes you able to cope. It makes you able to understand. Amen, ladies. I say that everybody has the left leg. In fact, my husband says that just that they bring it out after the marriage when they are standing with you it's the right leg you see but everybody has a left leg also amen and how are you going to bear that infirmity amen Romans 15 1 I believe says uh, we should bear each other's burdens or is it 1 Corinthians 15 1 one of them bear each other's burdens so the person you have come to marry you are coming to bear his burden and his burden is his weaknesses, his frailties, his humanness. Amen. And how are you going to handle that humanness? Are you like Noah's children going to say, like Ham, going to say, ah, come and look at my father. He's so naked. He's so... Or like Ham and Shem. When those times happen, you take a cloth and you walk backwards and you cover the humanness of the person. Now physically 
people have disabilities. It's not always that you can't walk or bad. You may be diabetic, you may have high blood pressure, you may have asthma, you may have allergies. When the person is like that and goes to the doctor, the doctor doesn't say, oh, no, 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 your pancreas is not working well. You, you don't produce insulin, so get somewhere. No, he gives you medicine for it. If you have asthma, he gives you an inhaler for it. So you too, when you see the person's disability, the person is in a wheelchair in a particular area, you don't just push the wheelchair down the hill that it should go to. No, you rather provide a wheelchair and you push it small, small. So if we are to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves, we have to accept that they are good men of God, but they are not perfect men of God. Amen. And what you do with the weakness, the Bible says, bear the burden. Help the person. But you can help people without they knowing you are helping them. Or without they knowing. So accept the humanness of your spouse. It will help you to have a successful marriage. You know, some people, you can see that they are hot-tempered. I'm not saying it is correct, but they are a work in progress. And so you see the hot-temperedness throughout. You see it at work, how they talk to their pastors. You see it at church, how they talk to church members when they are angry. And then you see it in your marriage. So the person is not out to get you. Hey, they've tried to work on it all these years before you came, and it's not working. Only God can change it. And sometimes and often, your helpful and positive attitude will help the person. Instead of just pointing out mistakes, oh, you are angry. There's a way and time to sit down with the person and say, you know, I know that you get angry, and I know that sometimes it's difficult to control. You know, I know. But I also know that you are a very good person. Nobody likes to be condemned, though. So start with praise. That's another, another uh, topic altogether. But when you talk like that, so, but I realize that the anger, no, it destroys certain things, like maybe the ashes when you had the meeting. They are good people, but because the anger, whatever, so I think that if we tailored it a bit, so you've added yourself to the problem. So if you tailored it, if we tailored it a bit, it would work, whatever. Why? Because every high priest, taken from among men, is subject to infirmities. Amen, ladies. Getting to the end. Now, Adura, I won't take too much of your time. <laughs> accept no longer. The things you should accept, accept no longer. Exodus 2, verse 3. It's talking about Moses' mother. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Amen, ladies. There are certain things you can no longer do. Moses' mother realized that she can no longer hide the baby. He has grown. They will hear him cry. She cannot hide it anymore. So she just made a basket, put the baby in and dedicated it to God. You also have no longer in your life. Things that you can no longer change. Things that you can no longer control. Things that you can no longer do. It's time to make 
a butyrman basket and put it in and leave it on the river and trust God about what he will do to work around it. I wouldn't stand here and say, all matters will be resolved. No, it's not true. Some matters, God has to resolve them. You cannot resolve them. So know that I can no longer do this. I can no longer go on nagging. I can no longer complain. I can no longer, I can no longer. So recognize your long, no longer so that you will release them. Amen. The Bible says in Jeremiah 13, 23, Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? Can a leper take away his spots? Neither can you start doing good, for you have always done evil. What it's saying is that you can't change a person. And you think that you are a personal Holy Ghost who can change him. It's not going to work. It's God who works in us to will and to do, not you. Okay? So an Ethiopian cannot change his skin. A leopard, you can't sit down the whole day and say, Leopard, I'm going to remove all your spots. By the time you're on the last one, all the spots are back. Because that's how he was made. So only God can change certain things that you cannot change. And you are getting frustrated and unhappy. Why don't you cordon that area and say, This area is out of bounds, not working. God will have to deal with it. But I'm going to enjoy the rest of the areas in my marriage that I have. Amen. Finally, but not the least, pray. Prayer changes things. Amen. What we often do is that we nag. Because women are verbal. They feel that the more they speak, the more the person will understand. And when they say the first the person they understand, we come back with diagrams and say, do you see what I mean? And it's still not working. Then we come back with lab tests and lab specimens, hoping that it will work. And it's still not working. And we become nagging. And when you nag, the man will stay away from you. Proverbs 17 verse 1. Better is a dry muscle with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. So what we do in talking too much, you complain all the time, is that the house becomes full of strife and there's no peace. And Proverbs is saying that it's better to have a dry piece of bread that you are eating for quietness than to have a house full of feasting which is full of strife. Proverbs 25 verse 24 It is better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Amen. We quarrel because we are frustrated. We quarrel because we feel the more we talk, the better it will get. But beloved, the more you talk, the more distance you bring. Sometimes the man has not decided to change. And you think that when you talk more, he will change. He will never change till he himself wants change. Amen. Proverbs 21 verse 19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Amen. ESV says it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. So cultivate quietness. Cultivate quietness. The Bible says, in quietness and in confidence shall your strength be. So cultivate quietness around you. Let the home be a place that when he comes, he's not criticized. He's not put down. He's not condemned. That's because you are prayerful. You release a lot of things to God. What does the Bible say? Have no anxiety, but in everything, not in some things, not in small things, and then big things that you don't tell God, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving 
let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Ladies, fight your battles on your knees. Because when God does a work, it is forever. When you do a work, it's New Year resolution. And it soon goes into reverse gear. But when you pray, what does Hebrews 4.16 say? Say, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. When we have times of need, let's go to the throne, not to the phone. Let's go to the throne, not to the phone. Let's go to the throne, not to the phone. Because God is able. Any Christian woman, any pastor's wife worth her salt will tell you that battles are won on their knees. And I don't know of any greater prayer warrior than Mama Dora. Prayer accomplishes a lot of things. Amen. The Bible says the heart of the king is in God's hands and he turns it with us wherever he will. It's God who turns the heart of the person that you are under. The Bible says, pray for those in authority over you. It includes your husband. And why? It says, so that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Amen? Is this 2 Timothy 2.2? 2? Or 1 Timothy 2.2? 2? It's 2.2, 2, one of the Timothys. Anyway. So your husband is in authority over you. He makes decisions and it affects you. He does things and it affects you. And the Bible says, pray for those people so that you will have a quiet and a peaceable life. You need a quiet and a peaceable life. And it's going to come by prayer. Ladies, it's time to learn how to pray. Amen. And I don't think I brought copies, but How to Pray by Bishop Dag. It's a very powerful book. It talks about the different types of prayer. So if you can get it, if I had thought about it, I would have brought it. So prayer will tell you what to do. Look at Hannah. She is with Elkanah. He doesn't even feel what she feels. He says, why are you crying? Why do you weep? Why is your countenance sad? Where a question are you, Lisa? I've been childless. You've gone for Penina. And how do you think I feel? And you are asking me, Am I not better to you than ten sons? You are not. You are not. But it is when she went to prayer between she and her God, not she and her husband. A woman and God are enough. A woman and God are a power to contend with. Amen, ladies. And as the marriage goes through the various seasons, it comes to a place and you say, Oh, God answered this prayer. God answered this prayer. So that you give them visions. You, you can't give your husband vision. You can't give him a vision of what is to come, what will happen. But, but God can do that. So I pray that with these nuggets, we will make our marriage work. With God as a co-laborer with us, we will make our marriage work. With his favor and his help, he will bring us to that place. Sometimes you are going through something, but God can so supernaturally help you that you know you are really okay it's not that you are pretending you are really really okay and if it's, it's not divine then what it is what is it so I pray that we'll build our houses on that rock we'll pray about our problems instead of talking and complaining the Bible says that neither murmur him murmur you as some murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer when you grumble all the time 
you complain all the time. You open a door to Satan. 1 Corinthians 10. They were destroyed of the destroyer because they grumbled. Was it true that they didn't have bread in the wilderness? It was true. Was it true that there was no water? It was true. Was it true that Egypt was giving them leeks and garlic? It was true. But God still does not want you to grumble. He wants you to come to his throne. If you grumble at his throne, it's fine. But to grumble always, every day, no, look for other things to be thankful for. And a thankful spirit is something that God blesses. God bless you. Stand to your feet. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.